the month of October, well, let me just make the announcements first of all. This weekend, of course, we'll have services here on Sunday morning. And then Sunday afternoon, um, around 3.30, we meet. The men are going to be meeting at a new time. And so we're doing it earlier than we have been um, in times past. So you probably might want to write that down. Um, uh, I know the ladies have already been doing this for quite a while. And so, yes. Um, probably has something to do with it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Doesn't, is, if they're going to do it like that, doesn't he have to bring the treats? Yeah. No, you don't have to do that, but we're glad it's your birthday. Anybody's birthday is better than my birthday. Somebody say amen. Yes, good, good. You agree. You all agree. Okay, in Jesus' name. But in October, um, uh, the organization started this, oh, I guess, I don't know how many years ago. It's been quite a while now. Where in October, they tried to insert um, an all-nations Sunday. And basically what that is is just to recognize the, uh, the different ethni- ethnicities, I guess is what the term is, um, within the church. And, of course, we have several here, you know. Um, and I think that is very, very important for us to recognize that the church in America has become extremely diverse. And I'm, I appreciate that. I num- Number one, I appreciate that diversity. Listen to this in honor of um, <clears throat> All Nations Sunday. It's, um, he's got a little reading here that I think is interesting and hopefully you'll enjoy it. It says, in his highly influential and, high and widely circulated study of global Christianity titled The Next Christendom, historian, historian Philip Jenkins writes that over the last century, the center of gravity in the Christian world has shifted uh, uh, considerably away from Europe and North America, southward to Africa and Latin America, and eastward towards Asia. And today, the largest Christian communities on the planet are not um, are to be found in, in these regions. If we want to visualize, now listen to this. This is a this is a mindset that we've got to get out of. But but if we want to visualize a typical contemporary Christian, we should think of a woman living in a village in Nigeria, or in the Brazilian um, plains. The same is true within the global body of the church. And perhaps when Jesus told his disciples, go ye therefore and teach all nations, everybody say all nations. nations. You know, he was envisioning the days that we're living in right now. Now the witness of God's kingdom has spread throughout the world, or throughout the earth as missionaries have gone out from North America to, to countries and territories throughout the world. Now we all understand that, and that's a good thing. However, in the past few decades, now listen to this, we have been witnessing God's kingdom coming to bear as missionaries come from the majority world to North America. Case in point, um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the guy's name, but this pastor of Pittsburgh, uh, California, he's Spanish, by the way, is one of many such missionaries, a native of Ecuador, This pastor migrated to the United States where he would go on to found the Pentecostals of the Bay Area, and that's a Spanish church. A church of over 1,000 members. 
which started as a Spanish language ministry serving the Hispanic community, but quickly began to reach non-Spanish speaking native born North Americans. Isn't that cool? Praise God. And that as a result, the Pentecostals of the Bay Area is now a bilingual congregation with weekly services in Spanish and in English. Man, you talk about a 180. That is it right there. And so this same story is being repeated all over the United States and Canada. We are truly living in exciting times, and the global revival we are experiencing among all nations bears witness that God's intercultural kingdom is here. Can you say amen? That is absolutely a fantastic thing to behold, praise God. And so think about it, praise God. Missionaries from all over the world um, starting to come to the United States. I think that is really, really something, praise God, and starting in their native languages, and then, have, then they have to do what we had to do for years, and they had to get somebody to come in and interpret in English. Oh, I love it, in Jesus' name. And so think about that. I'm not going to go into a whole lot about all nations' um, uh, uh, things, but the bottom line is I, it's, it's, it's worthy of our note to understand that God is really, really, really doing a tremendous work among all, all cultures in Jesus' name. Yes. <clears throat> Yeah, not only Brother Rice, but Brother Guerrero also. Yeah. I think at one time he had like seven or eight different ethnic groups coming to that church there in, in uh, Salt Lake City. And of course, why not? You know, you've got that kind of a situation. And also Brother Rice, I know he does the same thing. And so that's exciting, praise God. And even here in Wyoming, you know, uh, we've got diversity of cultures. We've got people from from Wisconsin, we got people from Iowa, <laughs> people from Missouri, we, yeah, no, that's a lot of truth to that, though, in Jesus' name. But with that being said, um, the 13th chapter of the book of, um, of uh, Matthew is where I'm going to start tonight. I, I'm, I don't know, I hope, I hope I don't spend a whole lot of time here, but I'm going to try to get through this. This is not too far, Karen, I'll be there in just a, in a little bit, but nevertheless, um, it's the kingdom of heaven, and, and it's the parable of the sower. And realistically, there's like there's seven different parables that are um, um, involved in chapter number 13. You have to kind of read a little bit close here because some of these are dealing with the crowd, the multitudes. Jesus did this a lot, you know, in his um, ministry, where he would um, he would preach to the multitudes. And then a lot of times he would explain to the disciples. And so I feel like it's a lot very similar in our, in our way of doing things. A lot of folks that come to church and we're glad that they do. But until they really decide to make a commitment to the things of God. Um, and I'm not meaning any disrespect here. I'm just telling you how it is. I would classify them as the multitudes. And there's nothing wrong with that. People um, um, need to come and... and um, and, um, and find out what's going on in apostolic churches. But one of the things that I have observed over the years, that Jesus didn't do, do a whole lot of explaining to the crowd. He just didn't. 
And it was these disciples are the ones that he would take aside and he would begin to explain to them in Jesus' name. Let me give you case in point here. Look at Matthew chapter number 13. <clears throat> it says the same day when Jesus, I'm in verse number one, it says out of the house and sat by the seaside. And look at verse two, great multitudes. I don't know how many that would be, but I, it's got to be more than you know, 10 or 15, I mean, it could have been thousands, who knows. It says, were gathered together unto him so that he went into a ship and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. So he catched the scene. Jesus would go out, launch out into a boat. He did this several times. Um, and, and he spake many things unto them. Everybody say in parables. Okay. Now, this one here is a very familiar one. We all know this. Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell on the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. And some fell on stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. 6 verse 6 says, And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Verse 7, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them, but other fell unto good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. And then he ended this one by saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now here's, here's a case in point here. Look at the disciples, not the multitude. The disciples, it says, came and said unto him, why are you speaking this way? Why are you telling these stories? Because realistically, that's what a parable is. It's just a story that, that is designed to illustrate a point, okay? And this is what Jesus did. But his disciples, I mean, they're going, what, what are you doing here? What's going on? Well, look at what Jesus did. He answered, again, explanation. This is what you find with disciples. You find that Jesus begins to explain some of these things. And he answered and said unto them, Because it is giving un given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Now, I don't pretend to wrap myself completely around this, but I do pretend to wrap myself around the fact that God knows everything. I don't. I don't know what's in people's hearts. I don't know why people don't obey the gospel. I don't. I can guess. I can assume. Sometimes God gives me a little bit of discernment, but the bottom line is God knows everything, and I trust him. That's one thing that I am becoming more and more firm on every day, and I hope that you are too, because there's going to be a lot of times that you're not going to be able to figure this out. You're just going to have to trust God that he knows what he's doing. So here it is. Jesus said, I'm telling these stories because some people aren't going to get it. They're not going to get it anyway. And then it goes on, he goes on to say, it says in verse um, uh, 13, it says, Therefore speak I to them in parables. That's why I'm doing this. He says, Because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. Now, I don't have the complete definitive answer for that, but Jesus said they don't, okay? And, then the, and I could give you a bunch of reasons. You know, they're carnal, they don't want to, they don't want to leave with what they've got. I mean, there's just all kinds of things that we can come up with. But whatever the reason is, there's a blindness. Amen. And the word mysteries there just means hidden, hidden knowledge, hidden things. God is going to hide some things from some people, and he's going to reveal them to others. All right? Now listen to me, I'll tell you this right off the bat tonight. If, if, you, know, if you don't get some of these parables... I would be going on a fast and a prayer before the Lord. Yeah. 
and inquiring and saying, why am I not getting this? Why am I struggling with these? Now, I am not indicting. I'm not charging anybody. I'm just simply using this as an example to say there's no reason why any disciple, somebody who loves God, loves truth, wants to know the things of God, has the things of God hidden from them. There's no, I can't find anything in Scripture. And so this is what I want to uh, challenge you with, that there's some areas of the Bible that you're struggling with. Well, listen, I, I'm not saying that you get it all, all at once, but you need to, instead of going to the world, you need to go to God and say, God, we need to get this stuff figured out. And I believe the Lord will help you because that's the kind of God he is. And so this is why I believe in that, in that very distinct um, distinction how Jesus taught. He taught to the crowds. He told them stories and that type of thing. And a lot of them just went their way and said, man, the guy's a pretty good speaker. And oh, did you get you know, free lunch the other day? Yeah, isn't that great? And all that. But his disciples, he takes aside and he begins to explain to them. And so he, he says that. And also in verse 14, notice this. The Bible says, And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see, and shall not perceive. See, everybody's going to hear about the gospel. Everybody's going to hear about the things of God. But unfortunately, if according to this, some of them aren't going to understand. And again, I'm not here to give you a definitive answer one way or the other. I'm just saying, that's God. I'm just glad. I'm glad that God opens up my eyes to the things of the Lord. That is one of the, it's like speaking in tongues. It was a, a way for me to verify that I was filled with the Holy Ghost. And by God giving me understanding of the word, it's another uh, thing that verifies that God is working in my life. Now you can do with that what you want, but I'm going to tell you something. It's worked for me for 46 years. And I thank God for it. I really do. I thank God for this. And so part of the reason, look at verse 15. I'm kind of skimming through here a little bit. It says, for this people's... Now, he's still talking about the people that don't get it, okay? And he says, for this people's heart is waxed gross. That, the word actually means callous. The heart has become calloused. And their ears are dull of hearing. It's kind of like tonight. My, my, my left ear is leaking, so I put cotton in it, okay? Can't hear nothing. Duh. You know, that's the way it is with some people. It's not cotton they put in their ears. It's worldlyism. It's carnality. That's what they put in their ears. And I hope that doesn't offend you, but it's the truth. And that's why we got to ask God to get that junk out of us so that we can hear what he is saying. Oh, I can't emphasize this enough. And so their ears are dull of hearing in verse 15, and their eyes, they have closed, literally have closed their eyes, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted. I don't have, I'm not going to have time to go into this tonight, but there's about nine or ten places in the New Testament where the word converted is put. You, that is a tremendous word. It has, it's, a, it's very close to the word repentance. Amen. And I, my, in my search of things, and I have to be a pastor and have to know some things and that stuff, I have noticed that, that that's one of the biggest reasons is that sometimes people are sorry for their sins, but they are not repented of their sins. Now, I am not the judge. I'm just telling you what I feel like is some of the reason why eyes are closed, ears are dull, hearts are calloused. I'm going to tell you something. When God cleanses us, He cleanses us. 
He did that for me last night in the prayer meeting. He did that for me tonight in the prayer meeting. He does it every time I come to the Lord, praise God. I lift up my hands and I ask him to forgive me and to cleanse me and, and to strengthen me. And you want to know something? He has never failed me yet in the name of Jesus. Now, I'm not any better than you are. I'm not. Come on, folks. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that I'm better than you. This is a principle that, that, is, that is founded in God's word. Can you say amen? amen? Let's lift up our hands right now just for about 15 seconds. And let's ask God to help us. Come on. There's some ears that can be literally opened tonight. There's some eyes in this place right here that can be literally opened in the name of Jesus. Come on. I believe that. I know this is a Bible study, but I believe the Spirit of the Lord is here. He has anointed us in the name of Jesus to receive with meekness. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Blessed be to the name of the Lord. Oh, what a good God. Oh, folks, I can't tell you enough how foolproof this stuff is. It is. Once you recognize what God is doing, He doesn't stop and do something else. He just keeps doing it. Amen. And that is the beauty of this, pro, this thing called the kingdom of God. And then he, he commends them. He says, but blessed are your eyes. Now, he's not talking to the multitude here. He's talking to the disciples. Blessed are your eyes, for you see these things, praise God. And you hear these things. And he said in verse 17, For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, and to hear the things which you hear and have not heard them. I believe he's referring there to Jesus. Jesus, the, the, um, God manifested in the flesh right there in front of them. The prophets before that in the Old Testament, this was their day. This is what they were looking for. God coming. And so what you do here is, again, you see Jesus starting off teaching to the multitudes. And then I don't know if he did it right there or not. I have no idea because this, this chapter is a little bit, it's not in chronological order, you know. He, he, but he might have pulled the disciples aside and said, well, you guys sit down, have your lunch, and I'm going to talk to these guys. I don't know if that's what he did or not. But I can see the, the distinction how he brought those disciples apart. And he said, here, this is why I'm telling these parables. And now, do you really want to know what that parable meant? And that's where he gets into verse number 18 all the way through um, verse 20, 23. And, of course, you're, you're, I hope that some of you are familiar with this, the sower of the seeds, you know, the four distinct uh, areas, you know. And, and I mean, I, you can see that. And listen to me, folks. It's not a one and done. For years, you're going to deal with those three soils. You're going to have to deal with them every week. You're going to have to deal with it when you don't feel like going to church, when you don't feel like reading your Bible, when you don't feel like fasting and praying. You're going to have to deal with one of those areas of that ground. And you're going to have to make up your mind, praise God, between you and the Lord. You can defeat that in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, that's the truth. Amen. A lot of things in this life, in our, in our lives in particular, are not eradicated. They're not completely taken away and then never come back. They're things that God helps us to get right, and then he gives us that understanding and knowledge of what we've got to battle now. Now we understand probably the next week that it's going to come around the corner and try to trip me up and try to make me, you know, do things. And I'm going to tell you something, with wise decisions and the help of the Lord, you can defeat those things in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Isn't that good news? 
I'm telling you, we ought to praise God for at least five seconds right now and give Him praise for Him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. And so there it is. Now that's not in your, in your syllabus right there or whatever you got there, your books. But I, I think that will help. Amen. These are, these are good, good um, um, uh, analogies that God gives us. And of course, you know, the rest of these, you know, then he, then he, after he does that, in verse 24, it says, another parable put he forth unto them. Now, in my opinion, he's talking to the crowd here again. He's talking to the crowd. And he's talking about, you know, the idea of, um, of the wheat and the tares. Now, I'm not going to go in specifically on this one. This one really does need to go into specifically, but not here tonight. But that is a tremendous principle, praise God, that division. Lots of people that come to church, praise God. Now, and, and I'm not being the judge. I'm just telling you how it is. They, they've got to learn, like me, like you, to produce fruit. Amen. But if they don't produce fruit, a lot of times what will happen is they'll become a tear. They'll become a look-alike. And that's exactly what a tear is. A tear looks just like something. Amen. The only time you can really, really, really tell the difference is during harvest time. The wheat will bend down on the weight of the fruit. And it's true. And you know, the, 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 the thing here is that, you know, as a pastor, as a minister, I wanted to go after some tares. <laughs> Come on, you're, you're taking up ground, you know, and all that. And boy, after reading this one here, I, whoo, hold off. Because my Lord tells me not to. He said, don't worry about that. He said, we'll take care of that at the harvest. And so that's what you have to understand, praise God. And so um, in verse number 31 there, another parable he put forth unto them. And I believe that he's talking about, again, he's talking about the, um, the crowd, the, the multitudes. And I'll show you why I think that here in just a minute, okay? And then in verse 33, he talks, you know, in verse 31 there, he's talking about the mustard seed. Something that starts real small and begins to really multiply. And then in verse 33, he's talking about the leaven. You know, how something can get inside of somebody and it can corrupt the whole thing. It's a tremendous, tremendous teaching in my opinion. Now, the Bible says in verse 34, look at this and then you'll get my reasoning. All these things spake Jesus unto the... That's why I feel like he was talking to the multitude there. Okay? And again, he reiterates that in verse 35. He says that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, he says, and I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. And so at this point in time in this chapter, Jesus sends away the multitude. He sends them away. He says, go on, you know. And it wasn't that Jesus was mad at them. It wasn't that Jesus was, you know, thinking, you know, he was better than they are. He just said, you know, okay, I got, I got other things I need to do. And I've recognized that as a minister, praise God, that there's times when you do have to separate yourself from, some, from people like that. And so the bottom line is, you know, he, he sent him away. And when that in verse 36, here you pick it up again. He says, he says, um, um, it says, then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house and the disciples came unto him. Notice this. You find that exactly in the fifth chapter of the book of Matthew. 
Jesus went up the mountain. He didn't say, come on, come on, you guys. I need somebody to preach to. Come on. No, he didn't do that. He never did that with the disciples. He just went into the house, and the people who were hungry for the things of God followed him right in there and said, okay, let's have another Bible study. Come on, are you starting to see how it works? Ask God to give you a hunger for the things of God. That's what I did. I did, and I didn't even know what I was talking about when I did this when I first came into the church. I asked the Lord that point blank. I said, God, give me a hunger for your word. And that's exactly what he did. I couldn't put it down some days. I had to find other ways to listen to it or, or to, get, to, to get involved in it. And again, I'm not promoting myself here tonight, folks. I'm just telling you something that is a personal experience with me with God. I know that hunger works. And I know when you get hungry for the word of God, praise God. I got up this morning and my wife is a little under the weather and I was very careful. You know, like, you know, I was, I really was. And I think I did a really good job of that. But the bottom line is I woke up this morning with a hunger in my heart. I had a thought in my brain. I thought, man, I got to find out. And so I, for the first half hour, 45 minutes this morning, I sat down on the couch with a pen and my Bible, and I was writing stuff down. I mean, to tell you, it was fantastic. Man, I'm telling you, this is what, this is where it's at. Amen. You will learn stuff like you've never learned before. You'll think, my goodness, where'd that come from? Well, it's right there, you know. And so there it is, praise God. And I'm so thankful for that kind of, uh, of, um, of privilege that God has given to us. And I, I really, really, really want to emphasize tonight, it isn't just because of who I am. It's, it's because of who he is. He is the one that does this. And so we could go into the rest of these, and, and I won't because I need to get into Matthew 22 here. But the bottom line is I just wanted you to see that. I want to see that, that distinction, praise God. And there's more of it in, in this chapter, you know. But let's go, let's go here to the 22nd chapter of the book of, um, of uh, Matthew. And let's see, you know, uh, Wanda and Carlos and, and the rest of them that came up here Sunday morning, I was so proud of them. They did such a great job of emphasizing what that room was supposed to represent Sunday morning. And I thought, wow, that was really powerful. It really was. I mean, isn't it something? You know, a little $1.50, you know, white thing to put on a stinking chair. The difference that'll make. That is something, isn't it? Yeah. And, I'm, I'm, and I appreciate that. I really do. That place looks so nice. It really did. And, and, it, and it represented what they were talking about so much because of the fact that, um, you know, this is what we're getting ready for, folks. The, the marriage supper of the Lamb is coming. Amen. And I don't want to miss it. I've reached a point in my walk with God is there is absolutely nothing in this world that is worth missing that. Amen. I mean it. I, I mean that very sincerely, folks. I'm not going to try to shove that one down your throat because I realize you can't do that. But boy, if some of us would get a hunger for the, for the spiritual things of God, man, I mean to tell you, it would make a big difference. It really would. And I'm not saying that you don't have a hunger. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. I'm just saying that, you know, we need hunger. We need to have um, uh, God to explain these things to us from a biblical standpoint. Now, one of the things that you'll find that's common with the, um, with the parables of course, is the fact that he uses the idea that the kingdom of heaven is like. 
And so you know that he's describing something that's going on in the kingdom of God. I mean, it doesn't take rocket science to figure that out. That there's something here that Jesus is trying to help us to see. That the kingdom of heaven is like this. Because for years, and I, I still do, sometimes I get wandering, you know, doing stuff. And I get thinking about what's it going to be like? You know, because I read these things in the Word of God, and, and it says, you know, that we're going to praise Him, and it's going to be loud, and it's going to be that. And I just try to picture them in, 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 in the frame that I am. But nevertheless, um, you know, we really don't know. And, but Jesus gives us a little bit of an understanding here when He talks about this. Now look at Matthew 22, and now we're, we're connecting with the lesson 2.4 here, and that is the parable of the banquet, Okay. And again, that's what uh, the, the folks here Sunday morning were trying to portray. And I thought that was great. I thought that was a beautiful thing to behold. Praise God. And so this is what you have. And the 22nd chapter of the book of um, Matthew is kind of like the 14th chapter of the book of, of uh, Luke. Last week we talked about that. And I know I kind of got a few people a little bit confused in that type of thing, but those times, those, those periods of time can really, really, really help us to understand that all day long, praise God, that harvest is going on. Amen. And nothing is more important to God than the harvest. Amen. And there's lots of things in, in, the, in the Bible that explain harvest. One of them is the wheat harvest, which does, in my opinion, explain the harvest of souls. That's the one that God uses to help us to understand that, along with other things, too, in Jesus' name. But look at this. Look at Matthew 22, and the scripture says in verse 1, And Jesus answered and spake unto them again. Here it is again. By what? Wow. There he is again. And so here it is. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son. Now, right now, everyone in this room should understand what he's talking about. Every one of us should. If you don't, you need to ask the Lord to help you with that. I told you a little bit here a few weeks ago about my issue early on in the church when I got into the apostolic church about the oneness of God. And I did. It was real, folks. I had a blockage. I don't know if it was mental, mental spiritual, whatever, but it was there. I could not see the oneness of God. But, folks, I can tell you for a fact that God loves you. He, his mercy, his goodness, his, his grace is there. And I just went to the Lord, praise God, that night, and I said, God, and I was in tears. It was important to me, and God opened up my eyes. And I'm going to tell you something. You know, I appreciate that. I go back to that a lot. That I know you did that, God. You see, that's what God will do in your life. He will do things in your life that nobody else could have. Yes. Nobody else could have taken the credit for it. Right. Only he could have done that. And you need to build on that. Yes. Praise God. That is what is precious. Because that's what gives you faith. And that's what keeps you coming back for things that you know nobody else can explain. Only he can do it. And so I appreciate that. But he talks about something here. And so he spake again by parables. And you can divide this parable into three different parts. Okay, we'll do that tonight. Okay, the first part, you'll find the original guess. Who did Jesus invite first? You know, and there's some room here for a little bit of um, discussion, if I can put it that way. Because I don't, you know, I mean, it could have been the nation of Israel. Could be. You know, I mean, it certainly looks that way. 
Um, but I'm not going to sit here and, and be ironclad in that. But I am going to say that, you know, there were people that were originally invited, praise God. Let's look at that. Look at verse number 2 and, and 22. 22 Matthew and, and verse 2. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden. Amen. And I thank God for that word bidden. That, that, that word, I had it written down somewhere here. The word, yeah, the word bidden there means called, you know. Scripture uses that term from time to time. Many are, but few are. Realistically, if you read that in its rightful text most of the time, it means that many are called, but few are choosing. See, we get this idea that God is calling all kinds of people, and then he's kind of handpicking the ones. He didn't do that. It's just like the parables, folks. Jesus didn't go through that crowd. Now, he originally picked out his 12 apostles. Don't misunderstand him. There's times when God does that hand-picking. But there's times that God will allow the word and, and the atmosphere to determine who's going to come forth and who isn't. And that's what I see. I see that many are being called right now. But are they choosing this? Now, that's something that, that, that does get it personal, doesn't it? See, you can't take that away from somebody. You can teach them the greatest Bible study on this side of heaven. You can help them to receive the Holy Ghost. You can't give it to them, but you can help them to receive it. You can do all of these things, but the bottom line is they have got to choose that this is the way they want to go. Now, I hope that you've already done that, and you reaffirm that every day or at least every week. That this is what I want to do. I don't care what that little mouthy preacher says. As long as he's in that Bible, I am going to go to that church service and I'm going to get it. I'm going to, I'm going to receive it. In fact, I'm going to go to that prayer room and I'm going, to, I'm going to fast. I'm going to be in everything that I can so that I can get the things of God. Now that is not psychology. That is the way it is. That's how it worked for me. Brother Dix did not invite me to a lot of places. I just came. I just showed up. He couldn't get rid of me. I don't think he wanted to get rid of me, but yeah, you never know. You know, that type of thing. But listen to this. Look at verse number four. So go out there. Bid all of those ones. Call them to this wedding. And, and the Bible says that the, the answer was they won't come. And so the scripture says in verse four, again, he sent forth other servants. Gives them another chance. He says, tell them which are bidden. Again, he's going to the called ones. He says, behold, and you know what that word means, don't you? Pay attention. Come on, this is important. Okay? And the scripture says, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come into, or unto the marriage. But here's the reality. And again, I'm not the judge. But they made light of it. What does that mean? Let me give it to you in 2023 language. They allowed something else to get in the way. That's the bottom line. That's, in my opinion, what will separate the multitude from the disciples almost every day. That's what it is. I'm going to tell you something, folks. The first year I was in this ch a church like this, I had to get rid of a lot of stuff. 
I had to, because if I was going to hang on to that, there was no way I was going to be able to keep up with you guys. I'm going to church twice on Sunday now, and I'm, you know, Wednesdays, and then we got prayer meeting, and then I got individual Bible study going on, and you're going, whoa, where did this all come from? My goodness, I could be a good Catholic and get there twice a year. <laughs> it's the truth. And so here I am, man, amongst you guys, and you guys are pumping this into me every week. Well, either I'm going to want it or I'm not. And so some of this other stuff, you know, is going to have to go. Now, again, I'm not trying to get you on my bad side tonight. I'm trying to help somebody's eyes and ears to get open. Come on, it's not that difficult. You're, you, I, we are the ones that make it difficult. God never designed this thing to be that hard. And so they made light of it, and they went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. Verse number six says, and the remnant took his servants. Now, this is what really gets me. You want to tick God off? You mess around with his people. And the Bible says they took them and, they, and, and entreated them spitefully. They handled them and slew them. And when the king heard thereof, he was wrought, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Wow. Now understand, God is sometimes a God of judgment. But his mercy, it goes before that. We talked about that Sunday night. I hope you really got a hold of that Sunday night. His mercy is usually the first thing that we encounter. But it's not where God wants us to be staying. Amen. Mercy is usually, uh, my definition of it is just very simple. It's when God doesn't give us what we deserve. And everybody in this world was a recipient of that today. And so there we are. But grace will come. And the Bible says the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men teaching us to, live, to, to, to deny ungodliness and, uh, and, un, and worldlyism and to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. That's what the grace of God teaches us. That goes way, way, way beyond mercy, folks. Now, mercy is a good start. And I gave you that story in the book of Acts, how Paul and Silas, when that, when that jailer man, he, was, he didn't know what he was going to do but kill himself. But he's, he was stopped, and mercy was right there. And I thank God for it. So right away you see that they that were called, they wouldn't come. And so what happens? Kind of like the 14th chapter of the book of Luke. We'll go out there and let's get this place filled, you know. And that one, you know, again, has some leverage there. I'm not quite sure how that all works sometimes. You know, again, we have to be very careful, you know, with how we handle the things of God. But the Bible says that in verse number 9, I'm still in the 22nd chapter of Matthew here, and we're talking about the parable, you know, of the banquet. He said, Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. What does that mean? Call them. Say, listen. Maybe you didn't feel like you were worthy to come to this, but now he wants you to come. And I see this all the time. I see people who come not only into this church, but in other churches. Man, the world wouldn't give them 20 cents. But God has called them, praise God. And that's what's happening. That's why I'm saying God will, he can clean those people up. He can do things with them that will help, that the world will go in awe, praise God, and say, whoa, where did you, what happened to you? And it's, you heard of Jesus? That's what happened to me. It's because I heard the call. Come on, I heard the call. That's what I'm, I'm praying for every day, that people will hear the call, and they'll answer it, and they'll choose in Jesus' name.
And so the Bible says in verse 10, it says, So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as, as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. Isn't that beautiful? Thank God. His place, his house is going to be full, praise God. But here's something that kind of throws me off a little bit, and I, 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 I didn't want to end with this tonight, but it's, I don't know what else to do because it's right there. Um, the scripture says in verse number 11, it says, and when the king came in to see the guests, now notice, okay, get the story here. This is the story Jesus is telling. He's saying the, the king made a, 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 just a beautiful feast for his son, and he wanted people to come. And the ones that he originally, that he originally um, invited, they didn't want to. That's why you could possibly fit Israel into that. Because the Bible says that Jesus came unto his and his own received him not. And so you can see a little bit of that right there. That, 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 that he did reject them because they rejected him. But I think on a bigger playing field that God has had designed for this to, not, to go beyond the nation of Israel and to go into the Gentile kingdoms. And we see that in prophecy. And I believe that's where we're at today. You know, when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, he said, Repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, unto your children, unto them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And we understand that God is calling people today. We just talked about it here at the beginning of this lesson. You know, all nations, everybody. And it's beautiful to see God fill people with the Holy Ghost from every part of the world. One of my greatest testimonies, or not greatest, but one of my favorite testimonies is Brother Wright tells the story about when he was in Africa and he was down there doing some missionary work and they were praying for people to get the Holy Ghost at the altar and, they, and then all kinds of age groups were down there. And one little girl, about 12 years of age, she was down there and she began to speak in perfect English. And, she, and what she said was powerful. She said, God is filling me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It is a wonderful thing. I might misquote the words a little bit, but that's exactly what she was saying. And she had never spoke English before in her life. I'm telling you something. God is doing marvelous things right in front of us. Praise God. Come on, if you'll look, if you'll look in that Bible, if you'll look in the Spirit, if you'll look in the things of God, you will begin to see that God is all over the place showing himself magnificent. He's doing that right now, folks. He's doing that even while we're sitting here in this place. Oh, he's such a powerful God. But, you know, you, you talk about disrespect, and, and you see it sometimes we human beings, we got to get cleansed from that kind of stuff. You know, we come in, and we want to still do things our way in here. Man, alive, we do. And I'm with you, folks. God's got to back me one, you know, alongside the head a few times, too. That's what he's got to do, because it's not my way. It's his way. And when you came to a, a wedding and you were invited, we see, we don't understand this now, because this doesn't happen much around us anymore. People just come all uh, however they feel like. But when you were invited to, to a, a wedding like that, they gave you something to wear. That's what they did. And here's a guy that comes in, and you know, it doesn't give us a whole lot of explanation here, but it just simply says, and when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. Now again, there's that, other, there's that little latitude. You could say, well, what's he talking about there? Well, I could give you some ideas and holiness and things of that nature, and some of them might be true. 
But the bottom line is what I want to emphasize tonight is he didn't want to do it the king's way. And that's what we fight. That's what sometimes we beat our heads up against the wall so many times is because we think we're smarter than God. We think we've got a few things down better than he does. And we don't. Come on, folks, we got to settle that. you got to get rid of that stinking, rotten pride in you that says that you do. And you got to rise up above that, and you got to say, God, I'm going to humble myself in the sight of God. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get rid of this junk that's in my life in the name of Jesus. And I believe that God cleanses us from all iniquity of the flesh and of the Spirit. That's what he does. And then he comes back next week, and he has to do it again. That's how it works down here, okay? But the Bible says this was quite a thing. This wasn't, well, you can come any way you want to God. Well, you better read that one. I, that's what they tell me all the time. Well, you guys are always trying to tell us what to do. No, I'm not. I'm trying to get you to see what's in the Word of God. And I'm not, you know, again, trying to be smarter. I'm trying to be facetious. I'm telling you, folks, this, there's a way in which a man that we need to take, and that's what we got to get serious about. We need to understand that. What's he talking about there with that garment? And so the Bible says he came to him, and look at how he approached him. He didn't say, you scumbag, get out of this place now. No, he came and approached him as a friend. It reminds me of Judas. You know, here's that slime ball going to give up Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And Jesus yet calls him friend. I want to be like Jesus. Because that's powerful. When you can do that in the midst of that kind of, uh, kind of treatment. But the scripture says, he came to him and says, How camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? Did somebody miss you or did you not go through the right line? I don't know what he's talking about there. But the Bible says the guy was literally you know, um, speechless. And that's a scary place to be. Amen. Because I say when a person's speechless, it's either I don't want to, I could have, but I don't want to, or I'm willingly ignorant. And I'm not calling anybody that in here tonight, not you guys online either. But I'm saying, eh, you scratch your head and you go, no, wait a minute. I don't have a PhD in this, and I can see what that means. That's what I'm saying, folks. We've got a lot of folks out there in that denominal world that have allowed worldlyism to come in and mix itself to the things of God. Now some of this stuff doesn't even make sense. And that's why we need to be in the, in, in, in the, um, in the Word of God in Jesus' name. Scripture says in verse 13, and I'll finish up here, it says, Then said the king to the serpents, servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into the outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't enjoy reading that. But it's there. And then he reiterates the fact in verse number 14 that when it comes to the banquet, when it comes to the parable of the banquet, many are called, but few are chosen. Now again, you know, I, I, I don't tremendous, I don't, pretend to tell you that I have an absolute uh, understanding of everything that's in this Bible, but I will tell you this, that I have a whole lot more understanding than I used to have. 
And so if you would like to have God begin to help you in some of these areas, maybe parables, maybe some that are in your life right now, why don't you stand right now and let's together pray and let's ask God to help us in Jesus' name. First of all, let's do something a little different tonight. I I usually don't do this with you, but I feel led to do it tonight. We're going to pray a prayer of repentance because no matter how good we look tonight, how, 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 how all together we think we are. We just really aren't. And we need God's help. So why don't we do this maybe the first 10, 15 seconds. Let's ask God to forgive us. Let's ask God to cleanse us. Can we do that? Jesus, I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for confession. I thank you that I can literally come to you, Lord God, and you, can, you, will, you will show me myself in Jesus' name. And tonight, God, I ask you to do that with us here tonight. Don't let anyone leave this place without understanding just who they really are. We are all sinners saved by the grace of God. We are saved unto good works. We could not produce those good works, God, on our best day. We had to have your spirit and your love and your ways in our life before we could even do these things. But God, we're there now. We're in the kingdom of God. We've been born again of the water and of the spirit. God and I ask you to help us right now God cleanse us begin to renew our minds help us to to, to put your your ways as priorities in Jesus name and God right now touch and strengthen everyone in here tonight and online in Jesus name let them sense and and feel the power of your love and your po- and your strength in Jesus name in Jesus name and now let's ask God to help us to understand those parables now can we do that Can we ask the, let's do that. Just ask, the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. You know, knock and it'll be open unto you. That's what the the principle of it is. And so God, I'm going to ask you. I'm not going to go to USA today. I'm not going to go to my mother-in-law who doesn't have the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to go to my uncle who doesn't have the truth. I'm not going to go to somebody who doesn't have the word of God. I'm going to go to somebody that has the goods in the name of Jesus. And Lord God, I give you praise for that right now in the name of Jesus touch everyone in here tonight I pray that you will renew their minds Lord God in the name of Jesus and that your spirit and your word Lord God will have free course upon their lives in Jesus name in Jesus name why don't you lay your hands on somebody here tonight go ahead lay your hands on them and pray for them ask the Lord to touch them strengthen them give them give them the safety of his word and spirit in Jesus name Lord God I pray for the spirit of deception to leave right now. I pray, Lord God, for that cloud to lift off of that person, those two people right now, that that will lift off of them in Jesus' name, and they will see distinctly what you have for them in the name of Jesus. And God, I give you praise and glory for this. I thank you for what you're doing in the name of Jesus. Lead them into all truth right now, Lord God. Bring them back again. Help them, Lord God, to see that you are calling them and that you want to see them in the kingdom in the name of Jesus. And as always, God, I give you the praise. I give you the glory in Jesus' name. There's nobody like you, God. Nobody like you in Jesus' name. And I give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Can we just lift him up for just a few seconds here? Come on, let's lift him up. Oh.